Welcome to the Think Again podcast. I'm Denise St. Ivany, and today I'm joined by Andrea Modi, Managing Director of Wealth Solutions here at Macquarie. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. So great to have you as our guest today. Thanks for having me, and it's a real treat to get to record this with you in person today. Thank you. Yes, we're in person together. It's great. Not so long ago, if somebody mentioned private markets, investors would automatically think of large institutional investors. However, a lot is changing. Private markets and alternative opportunities are becoming increasingly attractive options for many high net worth individuals, as well as smaller institutions. So how about today we talk about some of the aspects of this fascinating market? Sounds great. All right. So first, what kind of shifts have really occurred in the private market space and why is it now considered more accessible? Yeah, there are a number of factors. Part of it is that the, the shifts that have occurred with individual high net worth investors. Um, there has obviously been a massive bull market uh, in the equity space over the past uh, few years. And just the sheer growth in private wealth um, you know, has, has resulted in investors looking for new places to deploy their capital and attractive opportunities. We're also seeing you know, what we knew was going to be happening, which was a massive generational transfer of wealth occurring. Um, and what that means is that the new generation inheriting that wealth has different objectives and has different ways of thinking about their investment portfolios. And then lastly, you know, the long-term trend around low yields has been forcing investors to look for um, additional um, opportunities outside of traditional asset classes. And you know, even though interest rates are still set to rise this year, they are very low by historical standards. So we think that that trend will continue. The other uh, change we've seen in the market is really regulatory support um, for individual investors investing in the private markets. Um, For example, the SEC over the past few years has expanded the definition of who is considered uh, an accredited investor or qualified uh, uh, purchaser. And those types of um, definitions expand the access of of individual investors to be able to, to, to qualify for these types of products. And then lastly, we're seeing the asset management industry respond with some structural innovations. And there are, as you said, products have been built for the institutional market. Uh, Asset managers are really responding with new product structures that are much more uh, practical for individual investors. So we've seen a range of these kinds of innovations everywhere from the rise of interval funds, and those have now become tender funds. And we've seen an explosive growth in, in the part of the market that is income focused uh, around non-traded REITs and business development corporations. Those types of products uh, are typically registered. They increase the eligibility of the kind of clients that can access them. They have lower minimums. They do have some liquidity. And often we see um, retirement uh, capital like IRAs are are eligible for investing in these types of products. So we do think this is a long-term shift in, in, uh, in the market. Um, as individuals go from 60-40 portfolios to something that looks more like a, um, you know, a 50-30-20 going forward. Right, right, right. Well, it sounds like there's a real confluence of events, you know, like you said, the structural changes, uh, the personal demand, you know, so there's a and the regulatory, so a lot of different changes occurring at once. Um, so what's driving the individual investor demand for private market exposure? And, and when you think about, um, right, the trend, how is that going to evolve not only this year, but maybe into the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting time in the markets of late. Um, You know, there are these broader macro trends, which, you know, um, over the last two decades, the number of public companies in the U.S. alone has halved. 
you know, it's something around 3,400 companies are public in the U.S. today. Um, that is, you know, you're seeing a lot more concentration of uh, what you can get exposure to if you're exposed to the public equity markets. At the same time, the, the number of companies backed by private equity has increased fivefold to something like 8,500 companies, which are private equity backed. So if you want to get exposure to the broader economy and to growth in the economy, um, it just makes sense that as an individual investor, you're going to want to have exposure to some of those private markets uh, style, style of uh, investments. Um, you know, we're also seeing a long-term shift around thematic topics like ESG and sustainability. Um, we are obviously as a global, um, you know, you know, as a global community going through a transition of energy uh, that's that's becoming less fossil fuel dominated and more green. All of those trends are long-term thematics, and we're seeing a lot of um, effort, particularly in the private markets, um, and, and investors can, can get exposure to that right away. Um, and that's part of that generational shift as well, right? The preferences right. for those types of investments. Um, you know, obviously, in the past month, we've seen a lot of volatility around the public markets, um, and we've also seen a growing concern around inflation. Um, you know, so when we look at historic data of private markets, you know, we see that the data is pretty clear that those those kind of strategies both can offer higher returns, um, but also can dampen some of that volatility um, and really help diversify portfolios. And then there are asset classes like real assets, particularly asset classes like infrastructure, that actually have a hedge against inflation naturally built into them, and that hasn't gotten a lot of attention historically, but today I think it's an area where investors um, are increasingly turning their, their focus. Um, so, you know, we see this, this demand from individual investors for private markets continuing to grow. Um, you know, institutions as well continue to raise their allocation to private markets because they've seen the benefits for their portfolios. Um, but I think that the really exciting part here is the the allocations from individuals, which we think are going to double over the next decade, at least, you know, so it's, it's a big opportunity. It is a big opportunity. So, but there are challenges that come with it. And even from the financial advisor standpoint, a lot of financial advisors probably haven't spent that much time helping their clients invest in this area. So what is uh, their challenge in terms of getting more education in this space? What are um, some of the categories of expertise that they need to um, understand and navigate in this space and, you know, being able to truly advise clients in this area. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely true. When we've talked to in wealth intermediaries and financial advisors, the number one piece of feedback we've had is, I don't understand these products or I don't know enough about the private markets. I don't feel comfortable. And, you know, fair enough. I think that is a major uh, impediment to increased allocations from individuals to private markets. So how do we help bring those barriers down for advisors and for clients? Um, you know, it, it just makes sense, right? It just makes sense that this is something that's new. Um, and so education has been a huge area of focus for us in particular. I think for the industry in general, uh, there's, a, there's a strong realization that um, the advisor market uh, needs education and, you know, can really benefit from, from education in this space. So if you're an advisor and you're trying to think about how to get, you know, smarter in the private market space, it's going to be a journey. Um, it's not something you can, you know, uh, do once and know everything, right? And it's a, it's a big, just like the public markets, it's a big and diverse set of uh, strategies. 
Um, you as the advisor, you understand your client's portfolio. So you have a huge advantage really from the, from the get-go because you understand what they're trying to achieve. And so now your objective is to try and help translate what they're trying to achieve into, you know, uh, what private market strategies are available to them. So, you know, I, I, would, I would first look at various strategies and try and understand what they are. Is it hedge funds? Is it private equity? You know, what, is it real assets? What, where is it private credit? Where are you looking to play? Are you looking for growth? Are you looking for income? And then, you know, within those strategies, you need to look at um, the particular structures that are offered. You know, what are the investment minimums? Is your client eligible um, based on their wealth level? What is the sort of mock-up required for these products? And we're going to talk about risks, I think. Um, you know, these are generally more illiquid products. Um, so there is a trade-off between liquidity and, and lockup for some of these products. And what's the tax implications? Are there, you know, are there uh, long-term capital gains? Uh, what's the tax reporting look like? Are we talking about 1099s or K1s? You know, what's your co client comfortable with? So uh, it's really important to understand not just the strategies and what they're trying to achieve, but also the mechanics of the products themselves. Um, I think it's also really important to understand track record. Um, you know, there is, there is um, you know, has the manager had experience in this particular area? Uh, how long have they been, how long has the team of folks managing this capital been working together and how have they performed historically? Um, knowing that, you know, past performance is no guarantee of the future, right. um, but trying to understand how their track record, um, you know, has been will help guide you in understanding what their future um, performance might look like. Yeah, well, I think you really um, zeroed in on one of the main points, which is the advisor has a leg up advantage in truly knowing their clients and knowing what's best. So all those things have to be in the back of their mind as they're matching the right investment to, with their clients. So that makes sense. So how about the various risks related to client suitability so that the financial advisor can best match clients and their needs to specific investments? It's a good question. I mean, as with any investment, there is obviously the potential for risk as well as reward. And I think that's a really important, um, you know, aspect to private market investing that we want to make sure that advisors and their clients um, really understand well. Um, you know, these products are typically much more illiquid than, than public markets investments, although not totally. There are some liquidity mechanisms. Um, but they really need to think about how much liquidity their client uh, actually needs. And interestingly, we have often seen that how much liquidity a client actually needs versus how much liquidity a client thinks they need can be two quite different answers. Um, but there's human psychology involved in that, right? So it's important to know your client well and to understand their risk tolerance for, for illiquidity. Um, but we're, we're finding that many investors, in fact, don't need their entire portfolios to be completely liquid um, and that they can take some, um, some, you know, some percentage of illiquidity and, and get a premium for that in their, uh, their portfolio. And that's how the private markets tend to work. It's managers need that time in order to deliver that outperformance relative to the public markets. So it's really important that as you're looking at the various products um, to understand your options and understand with these different structures, you know, what... How long is, you know, is the money tied up? What is the liquidity? Um, are, is there any liquidity 
opportunity? Um, and if so, what does that look like? And over what period of time can an investor uh, liquidate even partially their investment? Um, and then, you know, I think we talked about the tax implications too and understanding what, what the investor's risk tolerance is for that. Um, you know, we're seeing this, and I talked about some of these new structures, we're seeing these new private register, sorry, these um, registered funds um, of, of private market funds that, you know, in the tender or interval fund space um, that are publicly registered. And the beauty of those types of structures that they, that they are offering investors the same kind of disclosures and transparency and investor protections that you would find in other registered products. And so, you know, that is something that can potentially give, give one comfort as well um, versus investing in purely private uh, structures, which, you know, are, um, you know, have, have fewer disclosures because they're meant for institutional investors who have an appetite for a longer lockup. So I think the idea here is that really you just need to understand um, what your client can and wants to do and what they're comfortable doing versus, you know, what, what theoretically uh, is possible with some of these products. I think just understanding the human element is pretty important. Right. From a risk perspective. Well, I had to say, you know, had a smile on my face the entire time you were answering that because I have talked to financial advisors who have said it actually served their clients better that they couldn't liquidate something or couldn't liquidate all of something um, that the investment did better over the long term, and they were grateful in the end that they hadn't made any switches. You know, so so sometimes that. Um, illiquid aspect of something serves the client well over time. Well, great. Well, could you also speak to the challenges of manager selection in this space? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unlike the, the public markets, which are pretty efficient, what we see in private markets is there can be a large dispersion between the performance of managers in the, in the top quartile or top quarter um, of, of managers in a particular strategy and, and in the bottom quartile. And so um, choosing a manager you know, well can have a large impact on ultimately how the private markets investment you're choosing performs. Um, you know, I think that's, that's, that's a good thing because you have the opportunity to find managers who can significantly outperform public markets. Um, but the, it, it's also a risk because you might see two strategies that on their face can look quite similar uh, managers of different level of experience and track record, uh, and they may perform quite differently. So it's really important here um, to to you know seek out managers who have a strong reputation, um, who have experience in private markets, and and have shown a track record of success. That doesn't mean perfection, um, because in the private markets, you know there are things that um, you know can go wrong. But just broadly over time, that you know they have performed well for their investors. Um, so I think that's really, you know, that's that's a tough thing for advisors to do. How do you know? Uh, you don't have to be an expert on the private markets. You know, this is a place where now you need to be guided by, um, you know, um, the products that you have in front of you. And if you work for an intermediary or, you know, a larger wealth organization, you know, to, to understand their take, your research team's take on on different managers and really leverage that because, you know, and there, there are third parties that do that as well. You know, the I capitals of the world um, that, you know, sort of vet managers. And so it's important to, to make sure that you're not just out choosing from amongst the wider universe. That's a pretty tough task. Nothing wrong with leaning on experts. That's right. Yeah. Good. Well, is there a final takeaway that you'd like to leave our audience with today about navigating these private market investments? Yes. I mean, I think if you if you feel like you need more education and you're you know uncomfortable uh, with the benefits and risks of private markets investing, what I would say is you're not alone. You're in the 
majority and everyone is sort of in this boat today. Um, but it's probably worth spending some time to go on that journey to start to educate yourself about this space because it's going to be more and more important um, as we go forward. Uh, we at Macquarie are extremely committed to providing the advisor community with education and resources um, that you need to give clients exposure to private markets. Uh, for example, last year we launched a digital resource called the Sharp Advisor, um, which is an online uh, education platform that really gives financial advisors practical education, with video content, and it really starts with the basics of investing in private markets. And we're, you know, we're looking to grow and build uh, around that in other areas as well, in terms of education for the advisor community. Um, you know, that's just one area where we're creating tools. I think you'll see a lot more coming from Macquarie over time, because this is a real trend and shift in the, in the asset management world. And we think in individual investors uh, and their advisors could greatly benefit from this shift in the market. So, um, you know, it's, no, it's not too late to start. Um, there's a lot of runway ahead in this space. Um, so, um, you know, we're here to help and please use us as a resource. Very good. Yeah. And I'm sure that it's going to continue to evolve. So even if you're educated at this point, the education keeps shifting, you know, as there's more and more information and as there are more and more uh, variation in the product set that's out there. So thanks so much for uh, enlightening us today with this information and look forward to keeping up with you on a regular basis. So thanks again. Bye-bye. Thanks, Denise. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.